welcome back to a tasty new episode of Flavor Report. As always, we talk about the story behind the flavor. My name is Joe Winger. Today's conversation is just shoulder deep in flavor and history and family. Do you love Italian food? Do you love Italian wines? If so, you're going to love today. We take a deep dive in Sicilian wine. A few weeks ago, I was at a Sicilian wine tasting in Manhattan, tasting through this winery's bottles. I love the bottles, the flavors, the varietals. I love learning the family story, the winery, and we cover all of that today. We're talking with Melissa DiGiovanna from DiGiovanna Wines. Let's jump right into the conversation. What I'm, what I'm most excited about is at the Sicilian event, there's a lot of great wine. What When we met the the Giovanna Winery, not only is it great wine, but there's a great story behind it. And so I was really excited for this conversation, Melissa. Thank you for uh, having the conversation and uh, welcome to our talk. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so not everyone understands. I mean, you, you have kind of a multifaceted background before you got to this winery with hospitality. And then obviously, now that you're a part of this winery, so as I get to know you, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement and what inspires you in the wine business? Uh, yes, I kind of fell into the wine business over the years, uh, first becoming a sommelier and then um, working in wine distribution and now at a winery. And I just really love the people in the business. I love the hospitality industry. And I, I've worked in different sectors in the past and um, well, I've worked in fashion and art and the thing that made me really just stick with wine um, is really all the people in the wine world. That's incredible. You mentioned fashion, you mentioned hospitality. This is gonna seem maybe a small thing, but in, in the world of fashion to wine, are there similarities? Are there, is it more similar than we think or are they vastly different? Um, I think there are a, a lot of similarities because we're talking about taste and we're talking about um, fashion, the, uh, trends basically, there's trends of taste. So people's taste changes and wine is, you know, not as avant-garde as, uh, as ahead as fashion is. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily anticipating the times, but um, it does have to be very aware of people's tastes and how tastes change. And the visual aspect is really important with wine too. So people, you know, are really drawn to a bottle, not just based on the quality of the product, but how it looks, the packaging. So the visual aspect is really important with wine. And I think in the wine business, even though it's a very slow business because it's agriculturally based. Um, I think we have a lot to learn from fashion because fashion is very forward thinking and it lives on like kind of anticipating what people are gonna want and, and, and need. That's incredible. One more thing on fashion before we move forward. Um, I think so much of us learn fashion from like Devil Wears Prada, but we look at the cycle of wine from, you know, throughout the year, harvest, bottling, et cetera. Is there any similarity as far as the cycle goes from zero to runway to seeing clothing on a shelf versus 
a, a cycle of vineyard to harvest to bottling to that bottle in a retail. Am I reaching there or are there metaphors at all? No, it's, there's actually a lot of similarities because um, it's uh, they're both really cash flow for businesses and you have to front a lot of money um, before before you start getting it back. So, you know, with fashion, you're, um, you're working on the designs, you're working on the samples, you're working on the presentation of the collection, you know, about a half year out before they're actually available to sell. And then you're selling and you're waiting for that return pretty far out. So it's similar with wine. Uh, we're starting, you know, the work in the vineyards, in the winter with the pruning, we have the harvest in the fall. And then before we can start selling our first uh, vintage of that of that harvest, um, we're waiting about eight to nine months. That's for the rosé and the white and a whole year for the red. So it's actually much slower than fashion is, but similar as far as like, you know, working far ahead before, you know, you actually have your product in the market. Got it. Interesting. So now I promise fashion is over. Moving back to vineyard <laughs> and uh, wine. Tell us about your incredible wine region. Tell us about the lots that your winery has and how it's created and how, how you produce your grapes. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm part of the Di Giovanna family now. Uh, my husband, Gunter, his brother, Klaus, they're half German, half Sicilian. Their mom is German. Dad is from um, Sicily, a, a small village called Sambugidi, Sicilia, which is in the western part of Sicily uh, between Palermo and Agrigento. And they're fifth generation viticulturalists. So um, I don't necessarily say winemakers because the winemaking history in Sicily is fairly recent. Uh, but the viticultural history is very long. So it dates back to Phoenician times, um, viticulture and also winemaking, and then the Greeks. And um, the Di Giovanna property is fifth generation. So their great-grandfather started actually making wine. He had vineyards and um, and he made his own Naradablo, but it was for home use for the family. And um, it was a really good product because he sent it out to competitions in Tuscany and France. Um, so he was very proud of his Naradabla, but that was the start of the family business. And then Gunter and Klaus, along with their father, reconsolidated the property and replanted everything. Um, before that, they were selling their grapes to the co-op, um, the local co-op, which is how a lot of Sicilian families started. Um, they would, you know, focus on the viticulture and then harvest and take the grapes to the co-op. And the co-op would make the wine for everybody. Um, then they started to think about making high quality wine in the 80s, replanted everything. And then the wine cellar was built in 2003. So we're actually a fairly young, young winery. If you look at some of the really historic estates in, um, you know, France or Piedmont or Tuscany. So we have a lot of road to go, but um, it's fun because, um, you know, it's more dynamic when you have less history, you have more creativity and flexibility to, to innovate and to do new things that maybe more traditional winemaking regions cannot do. So the property is divided into uh, five vineyards between two small DOCs, Contessa Antolina and Sambuca di Sicilia. There's 65 hectares. And um, the interesting thing about the area is the altitude. So we're actually on two sides of a protected nature reserve in the mountains. And the vineyards go up to 
2,800 feet above sea level. Um, so even though Sicily is a pretty warm Mediterranean climate, uh, our wines have a really incredible freshness to them. That's beautiful. Um, you mentioned that you're a newer winery from the 80s. What year did you first produce? Um, so Gunter and Klaus actually started producing two wines um, that they made at the local co-op. They were called Gerbino, Gerbino Chardonnay and Gerbino Rosso in the mid 90s. And their first export market was Germany because of course their mother is German, they speak German. Um, and it was natural for them to, um, to find that as their first export uh, market. Mm -hmm. um, so in the 90s, in the mid 90s, they started okay. making, just making a couple wines and then they slowly expanded. Today we have 12 different wines, white, rosé, we have an orange wine, a sparkling wine and, and a few reds. Nice. And we're, we're going to get into that in a second. The one thing I wanted to bring up is you, you mentioned Gunter twice or three times now. And we're going to get into this by the end of it, but his Instagram is fantastic. And <laughs> the whole brand's Instagram is so much fun because it's beautiful people, happy people. And I'm going to say this, it's going to sound weird, kind of dancing in vineyards, which is a unique <laughs> take to selling wine, but in today's world, it works. And so good looking people in vineyards is an interesting angle. Um <laughs> And it also makes everybody want to go there, frankly, because it looks like everyone's having a lot of fun in this beautiful plot of land. Um, so soil is so important, obviously, for winemaking itself. But there's so many people who I'm going to affectionately refer to them as wine geeks who really get into the science of the soil. So can you talk a little bit about the vineyard itself and the soils being used? Yeah, um, so the area of Contessa and Polina, which I mentioned is a small DOC, it's in the province of Palermo. Uh, it's actually really well known for uh, its, its white wines and, and also for Naradavla. So the base of the soil in Contessa and Polina, uh, this, these are high hillside areas. So they range from an average of um, 1400 up to 1800 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. It's a really open space, um, you know, no forests or anything. It's just like basically on one side of this forest, but they're really open, um, high hillsides. It's a very windy zone. Um, it's pretty well known for, for how windy it is. And this soil is really particular because it's old volcanic soil called tooth. So all of Sicily is volcanic. Of course, we have the active volcano on Etna, which is on the Eastern coast. It's, um, it's hours from where we are, so it doesn't affect our climate at all. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that all of Sicily is volcanic. So there's really, really old ancient volcanic soil called tooth in Italian tufo. And that's the soil that we have in Contessa and Salina. So it's actually a really, really poor soil and uh, it has really good dra uh, drainage. Uh, so the water doesn't uh, stay in the soil. Uh, it's it's uh, actually an ideal soil for Neridavala, uh, where we have a little bit of clay mix, also for Syrah. And then um, there's also some limestone components in the soil. And that's where we have a lot of our white varieties planted like uh, Grillo and Catarato. And then as you go up into the mountains, uh, actually on the other side of the mountains, 
you find the DOC of uh, Sambuca di Sicilia. So it's kind of divided in a couple of different areas. There's a small area of Sambuca di Sicilia that is around the lake called Lago Arancho, right near the town of Sambuca. And that is like a more, um, uh, I'm forgetting the word in English. <laughs> it's a more Being moderate, yeah, more moderate climate because you have the influence of the lake. And, um, there's a lot of vineyards around there. And then um, ours is kind of separated from that area because we're going towards Juliana into the mountains. And the vineyards that we have are actually, and the actual, the wine cellar is, mm -hmm. um, is right below this forest, uh, a protected nature reserve called Monte Genuardo. And um, here the vineyards go up until 2,800 feet above sea level. They, they're starting at about 2,000 feet. And the soil is marl, uh, calcareous marl, and it gets stonier and stonier as you go up towards the forest. And when you get to the top of the vineyard, which is our Grillo at um, 830 meters, it's all just stone, white stones. So it's a really, really particular microclimate that mm -hmm. um, you can't, can't find in many parts of Sicily. That's incredible. I. I... At the tasting I met you at, I got to taste a lot of varietals that, frankly, at least I personally don't get to to taste as often. And so it was a, an amazing discovery, and that's part of what helps us fall in love with your area so much. Now, speaking of falling in love with your area, you you poured several great wines at that tasting, but let's talk about. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago your your I'm going to call it a lineup or a roster of wines. Talk us through some of your favorite wines, uh, taste profile, aromas, anything you'd like us to know. And, and, and yeah, just I'm, I'm very curious about which ones are your, I don't want to say favorites, but which ones are on your mind today? Um, so the first one that I ever tasted from Di Giovanna was in 2006 in Tuscany <laughs> at a um, at a producer trade tasting and um i just remember the incredible minerality of this wine and how unique it was and in those years there were not a lot of good rosés coming out of italy mm. and um i think the french really had the corner on the market there and a lot of has changed of course over the last um almost 20 years uh, but that's been one of my favorite wines from Di Giovanna uh, since I first tasted it is our uh, rosé made with Norella Mascalese. So this is a typical grape from Etna, of course, but um, Gunter and Klaus's father brought the grape um, to Sambuca in 1968 and introduced it to Sambuca because he was a member of the local co-op and they were experimenting with different varieties and um, a few different analogists thought it would be interesting. Um, it would have interesting results in our area because of the volcanic soil and also the elevation. Um, so we also make a red with Norel Mascalese, but the rosé is really, really interesting because it has this really citrusy aromatic component, um, a lot of freshness and a really, really unique savory quality on the palate. So it's definitely dry. Mm -hmm. And I think this kind of like salty savoriness on the finish is really, really unique. And I don't find that in a lot of rosé wines. Um, so that's been my favorite for so many years. Um, we have some new wines in production that have kind of um, 
that I'm kind of loving. Uh, one is our new pet mat. It's made with paterato. And um, I really love this grape. It doesn't necessarily have the best reputation in Sicily because it's been used for a long time to make um, more like bulk wine or like just mm -hmm. easy drinking white. It tends to have kind of like a bitterness to it when it's like the grapes are not the highest quality. So um, this vinification method is perfect for Caterato. Caterato typically is really lemony, uh, a little bit of herbaceous, a little herbaceous and really, really fresh. Um, it's very resistant to the sun here. The sugar levels don't go very high, so it retains high acidity, low sugar levels. So it just makes this really, really fresh, savory, citrusy white that I think is perfect for all the Sicilian, you know, lighter fish dishes like grilled calamari, white grilled fish. Um, so I love that. And it has just a little bit of a sparkle to it, like almost like a beer. So a little bit cloudy, but still really fresh. Uh, not too funky, um, just kind of the right balance of like funky, freshness, citrus, herbaceous. Um, so that's one of our new wines. And then um, we're also doing uh, an orange wine made with Grillo. So Grillo, of course, is Western Sicily's most important white grape. And, you know, it's one of the dock, it's the dock Sicilia's white variety. We have the Grillo and then the Nardabola. And uh, Grillo is uh, really great for the orange wine production be um, because the skins are really thick. They have a really beautiful, almost like golden um, orangey color. And uh, we do a fermentation on the skins with no added sulfites uh, for about six days. And then the wine basically takes on this really bright uh, orange color. And um, it's something between it's something between a light to medium style orange. So it's it's savory, it's fresh, like uh, a lot of our wines. It's very aromatic, um, but it has this really unique texture, a lot of stone fruit on the palate, like um, apricot and um, and white peach um, that just reminds you of like of Sicily, like early <laughs> fall and Sicily, late summer. So right now, those are my favorites. I, I love that. And I just... How do you decide when you're going to be pouring at an event, which of your bottles to bring with you? Is that, is that a simpler <laughs> process or is it pretty complicated or how do you decide? Um, it really depends on the season and um, what food is being served. And, um, and then of course, who's going to be there. So, you know, since we make a pretty wide range of wines, um, we, we were lucky because we have a lot of different, wines that we could pair with different foods or for different events, different occasions. Um, but of course, everything is really seasonal. Like in Italy, it, you know, it totally depends on what you're eating and when, what is in season. I, I think a key word that you mentioned a second ago is the food aspect. And, you know, my personal relationship with wine, I got into it because of the wine and food pairing. And so many people who are watching this now are reading about this or watching this because they're foodies in Manhattan or they're in Philly or they're in Los Angeles or even DC. So from a food point of view, confession time is, are you a foodie? And whether the answer is either way, can we talk a little bit about the incredible cuisine of your region and the kind of foods that you love pairing with these wines? 
Yeah, of course, I'm a foodie. That's how I actually got into wine is working in hospitality with food. And I love, um, I love the business and I love, I love dining out. I love traveling. I love experiencing culture um, through cuisine. And I love uh, wine pairing. Uh, we were, I just actually met some guests um, in our tasting room from Philadelphia. And the first thing we started talking about is the restaurants. And I gave them a list of where to eat in Sicily. So it's like one of my first topics. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, what kind of meals are perfect to pair with your with your bottles? What do you love? Um, well, usually anything that is um, Mediterranean, first of all. Um, so sense. basically, you know, think about typical Southern Italian meals and um, usually they're going to work pretty well with our wine. So and then I think and then I think about seasonality a lot. So uh, in the spring here, we have, like, for example, fava beans, peas. We have the wild asparagus. We have a lot of wild herbs like fennel, wild fennel that we um, we do a pasta dish with with um, fresh ricotta and wild fennel. So thinking about the spring, I think about, you know, like the cataracta would be really nice. Uh, even the buria grillo, which is uh, really fresh, white, uh, very fruity, but um, savory as well. Yeah, even the rosé could be nice with that. And then, you know, going into the summer, there's a lot of um, tuna, swordfish, grilled fish, grilled calamari, octopus is big here. And then we get into the soft, like the late summer with um, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers. So we could do the Vodia Rosato again there. Um, another fun wine, even if you're uh, a lover of red wine, like a, a lighter red, like Pinot style, and you like to do the grilled fish with eggplant, tomato, olives, um, capers, Cinderella Mascalese, red's really interesting. Uh, that is aged in stainless steel. So it's really, really fresh, really light. A lot of red fruit, like pomegranate, red cherry, a little bit smoky. I love that with grilled, um, that, like fatty fish. It's really mm -hmm. great. Um, fall, squash is big here. Risotto, um, even radicchio. Uh, I would think about the orange wine, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You do the Norella Muscalese again, roasted meats. Lamb is also really popular in Sicily. Um, grilled lamb, grilled sausage. There's a lot of grilled sausage eating here, a lot of barbecues happening. Uh, so Nardabola is perfect because uh, it has kind of like this wildness to it, uh, a little bit of herbaceousness, a lot of wild berry fruits, a little black pepper. So I think that's really great with, uh, you know, thinking about grilled lamb, uh, rack of lamb in the oven, uh, sausage, pork, even eggplant, for example, pasta la norma, which is a very traditional Southern Italian. Um, in Abruzzo, they say it's their pasta dish, I think. In Campania, they say the same thing. And in Sicily, they say it's theirs too. So I don't know where it originates from, but there's a lot of pasta la norma here. And that is, of course, the fried eggplant tomato sauce, basil, and you put the ricotta salat on top. And I I usually serve that with um, arvuria nardavola, which is some part aged in uh, stainless steel and the rest 
uh, oak. So it's more of a fresh, really elegant style of Nardabo that pairs really well with um, Pastelanorma. I think what others already know, but I'm certainly learning right now is not just the myriad of food combinations, but how seasonal your region is and how much all these dishes pair so well, depending on, you know, like, frankly, the full calendar view. So thank you. And boy, I'm glad it's almost lunchtime here now because you're, you're getting really, hungry. Really surprisingly hungry. Yes. Thank you. So it's an amazing winery. Obviously people around the world want to visit Sicily. And so it, it's a great place to be. And, and you told us some history, some family, incredible wines. So thank you for sharing all of that. The, the real next thing is how do we learn more about your winery? Where can we find the bottles if we want to taste, we want to bring some home. So tell, tell the audience who's watching and listening how to learn more, how to follow you on social media and where we can find your wines. Yeah, well, thank Anything you. Anything else you want from us, frankly. Okay, thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, so on social media, we're Di Giovanna Wine. And we try to keep the page very colorful and fun and not too boring. So <laughs> um, it's a pretty active page and, um, and we, it's, it's really important for us to keep everybody updated on what we're doing and, um, and about our products. So Di Giovanna Wine on Facebook and Instagram. And our website, you can find information on all of our wines. We also make extra virgin olive oil. Uh, our website is uh, djavana with um, a dash between di and javana.com. And um, there's our contact info there. If you ever want to write to us or come visit, we also do wine tourism. So if anyone's ever coming to Sicily, uh, you're more than welcome to visit us. We have a tasting room that's open uh, Monday through Saturdays. And we offer a lot of different tours um, from like guided three to five wine tasting tours. We do a Naradabolo vertical. Uh, we also just started doing picnics under an, uh, under the olive trees, which is really nice. And um, so you'll find information on all of our wine tourism offers too on our website. And uh, where to find our wines in the U.S. So we have a, um, you have mostly um, tri-state um, listeners or, because each state is different, but I would suggest wine.com. Wine.com. Okay. That's an easy one. And uh, I guess yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is just where can they find you? But wine.com is a really good solution for all of that. Uh, and just because you've done such an incredible job of giving us a lot of information, um, is there anything else that I haven't asked about that you'd love to share? If the answer is no, that's fine. I just wanted to, so often people, there might be something you'd really like to bring up that we haven't, and I love giving that opportunity. So if it's not, that's fine. But if there is, we'd love to hear it. Thanks. Yeah, I, I don't think we talked at all about the organic aspect. And I did forget to mention that we're certified organic. And last year we celebrated our 25th anniversary of being certified organic. Um, so that means that in the vineyards and also in the wine cellar with the winemaking, we're following the organic practices. Uh, so no chemical pesticides, herbicides, and, or fertilizers in the vineyards. And then in the winemaking, uh, there's no additives except really low sulfur levels. Um, so I think that's really important 
Um, it's really important for us. It's one of our core values. And uh, we were really proud to um, know that we're putting a clean product in the bottle. I know that word is overused, but we're putting an honest product in the bottle that's going to make people, that should make people feel happy and not feel sick. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think per usual, old country is leading the way. And so I, I hope the states start doing more of that as well. Uh, Melissa, I'm, I know we have a huge time difference, so I hope this hasn't been too difficult, but uh, I really, really appreciate your time. I loved tasting your wine a month or two Thank months you. ago. And I'm so glad that you reached out for this opportunity because I really, I really wanted to have this conversation. So I definitely appreciate your time and I look forward to tasting your wines again soon. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. And there you go. Huge, huge thank you to Melissa Giovanna from Giovanna Wines. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed your time. Thank you so much. To our audience listening today, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. To my team, thank you for producing and editing this episode. I'll see all of you next time. Have an amazing day. My name is Joe Winger. This is Flavor Report.